What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD plus. Check out Qualia NAD plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD plus. It's what I use. Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. Now, as I understand it, having a microphone is useful, right? I'll just use my outside voice. <laughs> Thank you. I'm drinking, I'm drinking the Bulletproof vodka tonight. <laughs> it's awesome. So you guys might have heard this before, but I've, I've got to say it. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Yes. Today's cool fact of the day is that I have the same cool fact of the day that I used with James Altucher when I interviewed him earlier today. So I'm just going to make one up. Your liver is located in your temporal lobe. There's like two doctors laugh, though, so you're like, what's he talking about? It was a Beavis and Butthead reference from like the 90s when he hits himself in the head and goes, my liver, my liver, and I still laugh about that every night. I, I, it was lost on you intellectuals. That actually was the cool fact of the day. Sorry. All right. Morgan is... Uh, a really amazing storyteller. And if you did see Supersize Me, you probably know about this. Uh, Supersize Me is the, the story of a crazy person who eats an excessive amount of fast food, three meals a day, and nearly kills himself uh, when everyone essentially tells him to stop, and he doesn't stop to prove a point, mostly about his, uh, his own stubbornness. And this True. is where he's probably best known. <laughs> However, before we jump into this, you guys just need to know, he's been directing, producing, and distributing film ever since. He's actually a, a creative guy with a very successful track record. So we're going to talk about Super Size Me. We're going to talk about some other cool stuff he's done. You might have seen the FX television series 30 Days. Where in the world is Osama Bin Laden? Which is kind of like Waldo, but different. That's right. It's a little different. It's just like that, only different. Yeah. <laughs> the Future of Food, Freakonomics, Emmy-nominated Simpsons 20th Anniversary Special in 3D on Ice. So very creative, uh, <laughs> cerebral, intellectual. <laughs> Morgan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. Thank you. Now, first time I've ever been called an intellectual, so thank you. <laughs> My mother thanks you. She'll be very happy to hear this. Uh, you just uh, tell her to take it all straight. I want to know... What motivated you to do Supersize Me? Like, like what, when you started this thing out, what yeah. was going through your head? 
Well, the, the idea, like we wanted to make a film and it came, first it came out of frustration because we wanted to make a film. I just had a show get canceled on MTV and I had $50,000 in the bank and I said to the guys that I worked with, I said, and I, oh, I had a tremendous amount of debt at the time and I was like, I could either take this money and pour it into this bottomless pit of debt or we could make a movie. <laughs> and everybody in the office is like, yeah, we should do that. That's a great idea. Because we owned all the cameras, we owned all the equipment. We're like, all it's going to take is sweat equity. Let's make a movie. And uh, so I went home over Thanksgiving, and this was Thanksgiving 2002. And uh, like the Iraq War at the time had finally started to fade. It was like it had gone away from being a headline, and we were trying to push it to the back of the media landscape. And the war on obesity had become the new big thing in America. Like it's the war on obesity. It was on the front page of every magazine. It's like, what are we doing in America? We have to fight this battle. And that was everywhere. And I went home and there was a news story on the television. This was Thanksgiving Day. I'll never forget. I was like on the couch in a massive tryptophan haze after just stuffing myself with like all the trappings of the day. And a news story came on about the two girls that were suing McDonald's who said, we're fat, we're sick, and it's your fault. And they had hired a lawyer and I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, they're going to sue a company that sells them food that they bought that they ate and blame them for it. Um, and then a spokesperson from McDonald's comes on and says, listen, you can't link our food to these girls being sick. You can't link our food to these girls being obese. Our food is healthy. It's nutritious. It's good for you. And I was like, ah, I don't know if you could say that either. Yeah, right. You know? And I was like, if it's that good for me, then like, shouldn't I be able to eat it for like 30 days straight with no side effects? And I go, oh, oh my God, I got a great idea for a movie. And I turned to my vegan girlfriend on the couch and she was like, that's a terrible idea. You should not do that. But I was already like off to the races. I, I loved it. it was, but that was, that was the whole thing. It came from literally that one news story. Did you see the recent Wendy's troll of McDonald's? I did not. This sounds like the greatest thing ever. So McDonald's tweeted. Just First just off, Wendy's should not be trolling anybody, just to be <laughs> fair. To be fair. But please continue. So, so McDonald's announced that now our quarter pounders, like in six months, are going to be made from 100% beef. And yeah, it's, it's like it's like what were they before? And, what, what was in there before now? Uh, so that was uh, Wendy's tweet was what was in them before now, and what about the rest of your hamburgers? <laughs> <laughs> it's a va it is a valid question. It is a, yeah. Yeah, th there's someone at Wendy's dancing right now over that tweet. But, but <laughs> and there's people at McDonald's going shit. I knew we should have checked that. We should have we should have double checked that tweet. They, they just hashtag fake news and they were done. <laughs> Notice that was a nonpartisan comment. You that was a nonpartisan comment. It was a, you bridged the gap. Uh, there we go. Red I mean, burger, blue burgers. You I went mean. both ways. <laughs> it's yeah. all inclusive all the time. <laughs> That's right. So you decided to do this yeah. uh, against uh, uh, everyone else's against better Against every bit of advice. And I, I remember I called a bunch of different friends of mine, and they were just like, oh, my God, that's such a stupid idea. My, I, I called my friend Scott Ambrosi, who is the cameraman, the DP, that shot the whole film. And when I told him the idea on the phone, I remember when he stopped laughing, he was like, he was like oh, my God, that's such a great bad idea. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, and so that, like, at that moment, I was like, we've got something good. Because you had to go back. At the time, like, there, like reality TV had kind of just come into, into television. There was, like, you know, Survivor. There was Big Brother. And Jackass was, like, the big show on television. 
And so here was this movie that was really representative of like jackass journalism. Like how do we how do we tackle something in a way that really embodies what is in the in in the culture in a big way? And that's what like a lot of I remember when the movie came out, a lot of reviewers called it that. They basically said it was jackass journalism, and and it was remarkable. But uh, it was one of those things. that was like nobody thought it was a good idea. Not one person. I remember when I went to try and find doctors to be in the film, to like be my doctors, and it took a couple took a couple tries um, until I found my doctor, Doctor Isaacs, who is still my doctor, the doctor in the movie, who is my doctor who looks who looks every day like he needs a doctor. Um, <laughs> which is exactly the doctor I want to go to. I got to be honest. Like, I want the doctor who's like, you know, smoking cigarettes and is like, do as I say, not as I do. You know, it's like, you know, it's like he's, he's great. Um, but, uh, but I remember when I went and told him, he's like, oh, oh, yes, this is awful. This is going to be so great. I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> These type of medical professionals <laughs> right. are very hard to find. That's right. It's very true. So you got your, your health checkup, and then you just jumped in. And then we dove right in. Like yeah. The best part is, since we were funding the film ourselves, we were able to start production within weeks. Like So as soon as I got back from Thanksgiving, we were in pre-production immediately. We were sh- This was like, post, so post-Thanksgiving, I was like buying every book I could find about the obesity epidemic and food in America. We were shooting six weeks later, so by mid-January, I was like chasing the doctors. And by February 1st, I started the diet. So the diet went from February 1st to like March 2nd of 2003. Now, you gained 25 pounds in 30 days. Yeah, 20, yeah it's like 20, 20, 26 pounds, yeah, in I, a month. I gained 30 pounds in 30 days two months ago. You are jacked. You are jacked. He's I, bullet jacked. I, I cheated. Now, 25 pounds of fat is actually hard to do, or 25 pounds of muscle, uh, uh, certainly. But what else happened to you? Oh my gosh, like my body, my body hated me. Um, (laughs) Like my cholesterol skyrocketed, my blood pressure went through the charts. Um, I got, I got incredibly distracted. I couldn't focus. I was lethargic. Um, You know, I was exhausted all the time. Like you eat the food because the food is just filled with so much fat and sugar and, and, and the drinks filled with caffeine. So you get like amped up and jacked up for like five minutes. You get that big crack hit of food, you know, that make, you get the McHit then, and then, (laughs) nice. And then you're just then you're done because then you like crash immediately. And my liver, my liver filled with fat. My liver got so filled with fat. Dr. Lisa Ganju, who is the gastroenterologist in the film, actually published a paper after the film um, because it had never been proven that a high-fat diet would lead to non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. And non-alcoholic steatohepatitis is essentially cirrhosis of the liver through a high-fat diet. And it's uh, and so basically, my liver was getting so filled with fat that it was on in route to cirrhosis. Um, I, I just have to ask, how many of you are on high-fat diets? Yeah. Wait a minute here. Hold on a second. My liver fat's 3%, just so we're all clear. Yeah. So it, it, the, the type of fat might be. Yeah, right? completely. It was, a, it, was a very, it was not the good fats that you're imbibing, my friend. You're taking the good stuff. The good stuff. You're getting the good stuff. High grade. High grade. And, uh, and so, yeah, so by the end, um, like, I was, I was just a complete... Like, if you look at me by the end of the, of the movie, like, I was ashen. Like, the color of my skin was a, was a, very, non, a very non-human color. Yeah, it's, like a, it's like almost like, the, like a dragon scale color of, of, like, a gray, like a battleship gray. Yeah. See the storytelling expertise that just oozes out of his pores? <laughs> oozes like fat out of a hungry man. Like, just that, that's like that McSweat smell that comes out of you. Uh. Mm. 
And that's what that's what doesn't come out in the film. What you don't see is the aroma that was coming out of my body over the course of that month. Like I was the most unattractive man to lay next to because at night, like this, you just like you just reek of of like burger magic. <laughs> like I just like I got fries in my pits. Like it just smells. Because you know how, like, you know how a car will smell after McDonald's has been in it. You know, just yeah. and that, it just doesn't go away. That was like my whole body, L- like a taxi, right? like a taxi, <laughs> like a taxi filled with like Mc- Ronald McDonald Uh-oh. and Grimace. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So my wife, Dr. Lana, is uh, an ER doctor, and if I eat something I shouldn't eat, usually not on purpose, I, uh, I will actually smell. Otherwise, I don't really grow BO. Uh, like, it's when you eat clean, you actually stop smelling, yeah. which is a nice benefit. It saves water. I haven't showered in two weeks. And, uh, <laughs> and you all hugged me. <laughs> no. the, the he smells thing, really nice tonight, just telling you. <laughs> The interesting thing, though, is, is what you're saying is really true. When you get inflammation, when, when you get sick like that, yeah. you don't smell like a healthy animal. No. And it's, it's kind of disgusting, but I'm happy you brought that out because that was one thing that changed for me. Like, I really stopped smelling like McDonald's, even though I wasn't eating it for a long time. But as I got my biology working, you actually burn with less exhaust. That's for right. For a better word. I'm not talking about gas. I'm just talking about, like, you know, cellular exhaust. <laughs> In general. Exhaust in general. <laughs> exactly. All right, so you smell like crap. You look like crap. Medically, what else happened? Um, what else happened? I, f- I feel like, uh, I mean, I think those were the big hits. There was, uh, my heart was fine, um, although I think in, in time it would not have been a good thing. They think there would have been a lot of buildup. We didn't, I didn't have enough time to have real kind of plaque buildup in my arteries and my veins. Yeah, yeah but that would have come in due time. Um, but what, what the film is really representative of, and when you see kind of what happened to my body, is, and this is what what a lot of doctors, I think, uh, responded to and showed their patients, is that it's representative of a lifetime of eating this type of a diet. Like, you see a fast track with me in a very short period of time of what will come over, you know, 10, 15, 20 years of, of living this type of a fast food diet. You mentioned another side effect that you're artfully dancing around. But oh my! Uh, oh my sex! My sex life. Yeah, yeah. Less, less wood in the pencil. There was, there was, uh, there was, a, there was a, not a lot of hum in the drum. A lot of bump. There was no bump in the stump. <laughs> there was no raisins in the raisin brand. There was no flag raisin at the. There was nobody saluting the flag, as the kids say. Yes, I, Morgan. They promised to laugh at my bad jokes, and they they let me down. No, in, but it is. But it was. It was. It was actually. Uh, it's a big one. Like yeah, like there was. It was not a big one. It was a big. <laughs> it's a. It's a big one that it was not a big one. Um, during the course of this food. It doesn't take long for, for your vascular health to change. And yeah. There's a mitochondrial effect from that. And so you felt that there. Yeah. How long did it take for you to reverse all this stuff? It took about eight weeks um, for my body to get back to normal after, uh, after I went off the food. After, like, I, was, I was like, I was a junkie. Um, like, when I got off the junk, it was good. Um, I went on a detox diet um, my girlfriend uh, put me on this uh, a vegan detox, cleaned me out, um, basically, you know, flushed me of, of all the all the things that were in there. So my blood pressure, my cholesterol, everything went back to normal in about eight weeks. But the fat itself, like the weight gain, took well over a year for me to like get off and keep off. It took fourteen months actually. It's a general rule of thumb in the functional medicine community that for every year you're sick, it might take you two years to get yourself back. Which is why waiting until you're 80 is a really bad idea, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, well, that's America in general. Like we have, we have a nation filled with sick care rather than a nation filled with health care, um, and nobody is there telling you early on about what you should be doing to feel better um, 
and you know, we don't go to a doctor until we're actually, we have problems. And we should go to a doctor when we don't have problems. And the doctor says, oh, you feel great. Here, you should keep doing this. Yeah. You should keep doing these things. But that's not the way we deal with kind of health professionals in America. So you learned some lessons about your biology here. And you yeah. went on and you filmed The Truth Behind Toxins. Yes. Tell me about that. Oh, that's a great episode of, um, we have a series on Inside Man, uh, on CNN called Inside Man, um, where we did a, an episode all about the toxins that are within your, that are in your household in everything. Like literally every item you can think of from, you know, the shampoo you buy to the food you eat to the cans that your, your food actually comes in to the carpet you put on the floor to the sofas that are covered in fire retardant to the mattresses that you buy. Like it is a never ending exposure um, in your house to carcinogens. And I had an expert come and walk me through my house and it was disturbing how much stuff was in my house that, uh, that, is, that is killing us and we don't even think about it. Um, and these are chemicals that were grandfathered in in a massive approval uh, through Congress years ago um, in just a in a in a big push just to kind of let the chemical industry kind of have a win back in the in the 70s and there there are very few that have kind of been completely outlawed and are, there are ones that are kind of hurting us every single day that we don't even think about one of the things that that frankly pisses me off is that the great state of California has laws about flame retardants in mattresses. And they put a lot of them in. They're endocrine disruptors. And smoking in bed really isn't that big of an issue anymore. And babies almost never smoke in bed. My kid, like, he knocks them back all night. Yeah, mine, I'm not saying what mine are smoking. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just go there. Right. <laughs> Giant blunts. Baby blunts. <laughs> I, I, Snoop baby. <laughs> <laughs> I have no comment at this time. <laughs> so, because California is such a big market, the mattress manufacturers, in their infinite lack of giving a crap, put flame retardants in mattresses that are sold nationally, including baby mattresses, where there is not a call for them. In fact, probably, like, pee repellent would be a more important thing to put That's on right. those mattresses, <laughs> which also, by the way, stops a fire if you ever need to. So I, I look at that, and, and in my own research for the Bulletproof Diet, and even for my book on fertility... All of these toxins, when you get right down to it, they interfere with energy production at the end yeah. of the day. And sometimes it's a higher level thing that trickles down. Sometimes it's just a direct effect on the mitochondria. And you look at what it does specifically to kids. It is actually, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. And I've gone through uh, in my house and, okay, you buy a house that's already built. God, what did you guys do? And you get rid of most of the toxic stuff. You put in new flooring. Uh, you, you make as many changes as you can. And then you look at buying a couch. <laughs> you know, do you want to spend like $8,000 for the non-toxic couch or $1,000 for the toxic couch? And you realize that having a toxin-free home takes a ton of money, which is not cool because... And time. And the time oh, just to find these other things is, yeah. is, 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 is a headache. It's, it's time for there to be enough demand for low-tox and things. That's one of the reasons I do, I do the radio show, I do Bulletproof, is we can change demand for things like grass-fed stuff. So there's way more grass-fed land in production now than there used to be because in the last five years, people realize this matters. It's time for the same thing to happen around toxins. The, the skeptics, I think funded by like Bayer and Monsanto and people like that, say, oh, there's yeah. no such thing as toxins. Toxins make you stronger. <laughs> right? and like, what? It's like a vitamin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's ridiculous, but I, I would ask you and, and people listening to this episode, pay attention to that. And if it's within your means to spend a little bit more to get something that's less toxic, even if it's not perfect, when you vote with your dollars, 
it probably makes a bigger difference than when you vote at the ballot right now. <laughs> and, if so, you, it's, and, if you, and if you can't vote with your dollars, because it is an $8,000 couch, yeah. the other thing you can do, as we've seen, is you can write a lot of angry letters, and a lot of angry letters make a lot of angry difference, and there's a lot of angry moms that can make a lot of angry noise. You should get all the, your angry friends together and show people that, that they should stop. Because, like, literally, I think once people start to do that, as you've seen, and, like, protests have been happening or noise that's been going on, um, literally just writing letters and getting organized with, like, people who care and moms. Like, there's, there's no better people to organize than people with kids. Because once you have a kid, I don't care where you are or what you believe, all you want is for your kids to be healthy. I don't care where you live. I don't care how much money you make. All you want is for your kids to have a great life. And together we can change things for our children. And, and I think it takes parents coming together and saying, listen, we all agree on this, let's make it better. Now this aired on CNN. The advertisers on CNN probably didn't like this. How'd yeah. you get away with it? Um, yeah, it's like we, we had a great support from, uh, from our network. They kind of left us alone to make the things we wanted to make. Um, I, whether, whether it's my TV series that we used to do 30 Days on FX or the show that we did on CNN Inside Man, um, you can't shy away from doing things that are going to upset advertisers. Like uh, the news a long time ago, I think, made a mistake by suddenly becoming an ad-driven medium. Once you suddenly turn, you know, facts into a money or a for-profit participation environment, then you suddenly start to make the facts be secondary because people will push back on the facts you can tell or the stories you're allowed to, to make. Um, I will tell a, a specific stories. Like when we were doing the first season of, of Inside Man, we were doing an episode about Walmart. And we were talking about the group that was trying to unionize Walmarts. And there was a huge group of folks that were trying to unionize Walmarts, a big story. And so we were with them, we were shooting with them, we were embedded with them. and suddenly we got a call from the network saying, well, Walmart's one of our biggest sponsors. And I said, probably not during this episode. <laughs> and, um, and they said, well, we should have a conversation about it. And we went and we met with the network. We said, here's what we want to do with the show. Here's why it matters. We cut a couple things out that were much more my opinion than like things that were factually driven in the show. And I said, that's fine. We can get rid of those. But we kept it. And I said, listen, if they don't want to advertise during this show, they won't. I said, you don't think they're going to suddenly abandon the network. It's fine. And we did the same thing when we made an episode of, of kind of alcohol addiction for our 30 days show for FX. I, they said, you know, you got to understand alcohol are sponsors, beer sponsors are some of our biggest sponsors. And I said, then they just won't sponsor this show. Um, but they'll sponsor everything else on your network. And it's you can't shy away from these types of topics just because they aren't seen as being quote unquote money makers. Like we have to have real serious conversations. We can't be afraid to confront things that matter. And, um, and the almighty dollar rules so much, it can't rule these types of dialogues. Yeah. One of the things I like about your work is that you are a biohacker here. You measured what happened when you put yourself through the, the blender that is fast food. And then in this episode of Inside Man, you actually measured the levels of 28 chemicals in your body. Yeah. And do you remember any of the levels, like the higher ones? I don't off the top of my head. Um, but do you? Do you have them there? Memory fog is a sign <laughs> of mitochondrial It's one of them. See? It's what happens. <laughs> you were at the 90th percentile for triclosan and parabens. These are both endocrine disruptors. And finally, after like 25 years of stupidity, they banned triclosan because it was doing all sorts of bad things to our gut bacteria and our waterways and our sewage systems. And it had no business being there, yeah. being there in the first place. Parabens are basically synthetic estrogens, for lack of a better word. Now, when you did this, you did a 10-day detox. 
you remember what was in the, the detox, like general stuff? I know it was a little while ago and you Oh my gosh, I, I don't remember everything that was in there. I just remember everything that I, I, I remember I cut out so much. It was very similar to the detox I did before where I cut out a lot of the, of the food exposure. There was nothing, I wasn't eating anything that was in, that came in plastic containers, nothing that was in prepackaged foods. Everything was like fresh and natural. Um, and it was like the question of just buying things like that, which is already hard, like trying to find food that doesn't come in prepackaged containers where you're only buying fresh vegetables, fresh meat. Um, it becomes it becomes a real job to do that. Finding things that don't have any added fragrance in them, yeah. which also fragrance-free products, very hard to find and seek out. Like it takes a lot of effort, um, especially like if you go to where I grew up in, in West Virginia, um, like a lot of small towns don't have a lot of that variety and finding those things you have to go online for, um, which becomes another added expense. So I slowly kind of tweaked all that stuff out of my life and, uh, and, and, it, and it did make a difference. Like I felt better even after 10 days. So after 10 days though, all 28 of the chemicals were in your body. And uh, w when I saw it, I remember you doing clay and oil pulling, infrared sauna, charcoal, all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think just to look at my notes here, you did drop your triclosan levels from 90th percentile to 55 percentile in 10 days. Yep. And the reason that I wanted to, to bring this up is that it's not like it's going to take you 10 years to get meaningfully better than where you might be today. It, yeah, it's agreed. not that hard. You just have to know what you're doing. And a big part of, of this show, just a big part of of putting out infographics and books and all that sort of stuff is around, all right, how do you make it simple? Because you had some help, right? You had a TV right. crew. Yeah, I, I had a gaggle of people that were helping me shepherd through the process. Right, and, and for yeah. the average person who's sitting at home right now, you're like, this is overwhelming. Like, like I'm going to go to the store, I'm going to buy some damn deodorant. You know how hard it is to buy deodorant even today that isn't full of crap? That's right. And unless they, there's a few that I've found that don't work that well, and there's a few that are like clay-based that seem to work, but then like, do I have like clay in my armpits? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, so the, the right thing for me is I just stopped having BO, and I'm like, who needs deodorant? That's right. Then you're fine. But uh, if you go to a, a typical store, to me, now that I'm, I'm used to not smelling this fake crap, it, it's, you walk down the, the soap aisle um, of a, a traditional like big box store. It's overpowering. It, it smells like those uh, toilet cakes. Everything smells like toilet cakes. Right? <laughs> like, it's, it's just not right. <laughs> like, we, just, we don't need to smear that on our skin. It's disgusting. Uh, so uh, I, I appreciate, though, that you showed people that you could do this stuff. But yeah. what was particularly scary, over the 10 days, the flame retardants in your system went up. It isn't, isn't that kind of scary? And, and I think a lot of that, I tell you why I think a lot of that happened is because over the course of that time, I was still traveling. Yeah. And like anytime you stay in a hotel, every time you sleep on a bedspread, every time you sleep on a mattress, the carpet that's in a hotel, that stuff is caked in flame retards. Like hotels, those places are covered with this simply because it's, it's a safety issue. And the last thing they want to do is have one room, like literally put the whole place up in flames. So those, those, everything in those rooms are covered with. So the first thing you always do is you pull the bedspread off for multiple yep. reasons, which a blue light will show you. If you ever go into a hotel with a black light, it's like a fucking Jackson Pollock painting on the bed. It's like the most disgusting thing you'll ever see in your life. And you'll hate me forever. You're going to love it when it happens but it's awful. So first, you should take the bedspread off the bed anyway because that's usually, it's a very thick thing. It's usually, it's, it's, it almost feels, it feels like an unnatural fabric anyways, but it's usually caked in flame retardant. Um, and then same thing with the mattress. You can't do anything with the mattress, but, um, but at least with, you'll get that first piece off. And carpet is a big one. Like, so you try and stay in places that don't have carpet 
Um, but you, you can call ahead and ask, well, are the rooms carpeted or are the hallways carpeted? Um, a lot of new places are doing that. Like they're carpet free. Like a lot of them have like whatever the faux wood that's in there that's probably still caked, soaked in <laughs> this stuff just so it doesn't catch on fire. But at least it's not carpet. It makes me feel better. <laughs> I, I like to go into the rooms and, and I just like take a, a candle and I hold it to burn off the flame retardant. <laughs> and it, okay. I don't really. Uh, one thing that does work though on airplanes... It sounds ridiculous. Wear pants and long sleeves so you're not rubbing your skin against it because they spray new flame retardant in there in case the old stuff hasn't had a chance to get all the way into the air for you to breathe. So you really, really don't want to be rubbing naked skin against parts of airplanes. Planes have their own issue with all all the other chemicals that are floating through the air, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the, the other trick is... If you can sit towards the front of the plane, even if it's in economy, just choose things there because the fresh air comes in the front and flows to the back. So the very worst seat is the one by the bathroom in the very back of the plane because you get the toilet cakes and all that and the bad used air. It's, <laughs> it, that's just like time to give up your seat for the bonus tickets to take the next yeah. flight. Right? Yeah, you know, it's not. It's like it's. It's not like it's a win-win on a plane anyway because it's all like this recycled air to begin with. Um, but uh, yeah, it's slightly better. Uh, but it, that's one that, that I'm concerned about because I travel 125 days of the year. I'll be on probably like 16 flights over the next 12 days. Like it's completely ridiculous so that I can go to all these different cities and do the media for the book launch and all that. Do you, do you wear a mask when you, when you fly? Like I've seen people that wear, like if you watch the Toxins episode, yeah. like I had a full on, like while we shot this, I wore like a full on, like one of those painter masks. Yeah. So you look like a lunatic. When you travel, but it's like, but you're not breathing anything on the plane. But I'm like, so I can. I, so I was like, but I look like an idiot right. when I, or I'm like gonna like suddenly like tag the inside of the plane. My, if nobody's, my mouth, my yeah. mask has like an open mouth painted on it. Just, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm actually. If if you guys uh, subscribe to the quarterly box that I do, where I send out every quarter uh, like curated stuff, I'm considering putting a, a nice filtration mask in. Not that you're probably going to wear it on the whole flight, but there might be times or flights where it's a good idea. Or cool ones, like you know, because like we love to like yeah. make fun of like when you see people in Japan that are always wearing like the doctor's masks. Can't we just make like cool ones they, they that, that we could wear like let's make some cool yeah. doctor's masks that we can rock around that like you know, it's like uh, you make it make it so like New Yorkers will care make like a Louis yeah. Vuitton one yeah. charge like $500 for it ooh totally. that's, is that a $500 yeah. Louis Vuitton S- mask Swarovski nostril yeah clamps, like crystals all around it yeah. I like it and the the time that it matters most and the reason I'm thinking about doing this is when you're on an airplane there's something called I think it's backdraft they call it and <laughs> Oh, that's really what it's called. It was a good movie. I feel like I've it? smelled that many times on a plate. <laughs> that's crop dusting. That's different. <laughs> the, fl- the flight attendants here all laughed. So what happens is when you're on the tarmac and the airplane is uh, is basically backing up, you get all the jet exhaust. And what Into they, the plane. It goes yeah. through, it goes through the, goes yeah. the uh, air system. Yeah. It does. And you'll smell it. Here's what they don't tell you. To make sure that the airplane doesn't catch on fire. They're obsessed with fire, these people. Back to Beavis and Butthead. Fire, fire. Fire, fire, fire. There we go. Someone as old as me. (laughs) Anyway, what what they do is they put a relatively potent neurotoxin in that keeps the fuel from catching and basically from exploding, which is good if your airplane crashes, but the 9,999 million times it doesn't crash and you breathe that crap, it actually does harm your brain and your nervous system in a really meaningful way. And so there are times when it's probably nice to have a mask that doesn't look too stupid that you might want to have with you. And I've been searching around to try and find that. 
okay, one group of people saying, these guys are idiots. They're completely paranoid. Just man up. And I'm like, I'm going to live to 180, right? Like, bite me. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> like, you man up like when, when I'm you know, at your funeral. And, and, and by the way, here's a really cool Louis Vuitton mask. Exactly. <laughs> so so I, I would just encourage you, like, like you got to make your choices. I'm sitting here wearing the, the light filtering glasses. These are the, uh, the True Dark, the Daywalker ones. And you look like Bono's cousin. <laughs> All right. I, I'm just going to divert here because I have to say this. This is one of the coolest things that ever happened to me. I got invited randomly to a celebrity poker tournament uh, by a friend. And uh, this guy's a professional poker player, Nam Lee. And I thought I was just going to show up and hang out like with Matt Damon and a few other people who I hadn't really heard of. I just knew they were famous. You haven't heard of Matt Damon? I'd heard of him, but I don't know any of these celebrity people. Like, I'm a he computer, makes the movies. I'm a computer hacker, right? Yeah. And, and I, I show up, and they're like, oh, no, we bought you a ticket. You get to play. Like, I'm not really a poker guy. I, I think I know the rules, but I, I don't spend my time on poker. And because I have no skill, I had no fear. <laughs> because I had no fear, I was the chip winner for the entire thing. And the entire time, I'm wearing my cool orange glasses. And so everyone's like, this guy's a total professional poker player. He knows a ringer, this. total ringer. And, and Look at those glasses. Totally. <laughs> and I have this giant stack of chips. And I end up at the final table. And there's this guy. And apparently it was Tebow. And I almost asked him, hey, like, do you work out or something? Because you're really ripped. And, and someone called him Tebow. I'm like, oh, thank God. I, I know that name. Right? <laughs> and then Larry David's across the table from me. And there's like all these like breaking bad guys. I'm like, holy crap, this is the coolest table I've ever sat at. And they took my money really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the highlight of the night was I hear two people whispering. It was, it was like a couple there behind me. And one of them goes, is that Bono? So yes, I have been in one time in my life because of my dorky glasses been confused with a real celebrity. So anyway, I, I don't know what value that offered for you other than humor, but I had to share it because, I mean, this actually happens. Okay, so we talked about airplanes. And there's some other stuff you can do for detoxing. What else do you pay attention to? Oh my gosh, what else do I pay attention to? Um, I mean, I th the, the most important thing that I, I think that, that I do and that I think all of us can do is I, I just pay attention to what I eat. I think that eating is the greatest thing that you can do to, to try and control what actually goes into your body, apart from like what you rub on it, which is like, that's a big one. But I think what you put into it is the most important thing. So uh, I try to avoid anything and everything processed, traveling. Like I spend so much time in airports. Um, I try and do everything I can to avoid eating in airports, but it's uh, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes Cinnabon is calling, and you're just like, oh, McDonald's or Cinnabon. All right, Cinnabon, you win, you lovely devil. Yeah, no, I never eat Cinnabon. It's not true, but I do walk by it and and judge everyone else who's there. Um, I, yeah. I have thought about going to Cinnabon and asking them if they could make a smoothie out of it because I need to get That's more <laughs> sugar faster. I, I, I haven't done that, but I, I did consider it. Uh, now, I, I do the same thing. I don't eat airport food except occasionally sushi. If you go to Narita, they have better sushi there than except you can when, get. Except when in Kansas. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> well, e e even then, yeah. uh, what I typically do is I'll just do intermittent fasting or I'll eat the bars that I make. And one of the reasons I made those is just that I got tired <coughs> of Shameless plug. <clears throat> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but what you don't know is that the bars are naturally flame resistant. <laughs> So I rub those on my body before I get on the plane. No, that, that's just yeah. the wrapper. It's that's a right. facial softener. You guys know what I'm saying? The old bars, the new ones don't do that. Now, 
uh, not eating airplane food is a good thing, but I, I have to actually acknowledge something, and we, we picked on McDonald's earlier. If you walk into a McDonald's today and you look at what they're doing, it is actually meaningful better than, than what they did 10 years ago. And just like Walmart, you know, Walmart's like, we would sell everything organic, but there isn't enough organic cotton on the planet to make the clothes we sell. So what do you want us to do? Right? So this is, again, changing demand. And I'm not saying you should go eat McDonald's. I generally don't do that. Ever. I, can, I can tell you the salads they have now are a hell of a lot better than the ones that were a long time ago. That's At least true. they look better. I still don't go to McDonald's. <laughs> but no. I, I do believe that when the really, really big fast food chains and grocery stores start paying attention to what you asked for, that the purchasing decisions they make actually contribute to a reduction in toxins in the world, an increase yeah. in soil quality and things like that. So it's, you know, this was 2004. It was a long time ago. They have improved. There's, there's still a room to grow, like the 100% all beef thing. <laughs> but it is moving in the right but direction. But using Walmart, Walmart is the example. Yeah. Walmart is now the largest purveyor of organic foods in America. Like they sell more organic products than anybody um, in, in, the, in the food aisle, which is remarkable. You know, and it is all because of consumer demand that this push has happened. And the, again, so you said earlier, the more the more you vote with the dollar, the more you ask for things, the more the angry moms stand up. I'm a real believer in angry moms. Um, it will make a big difference. So, you you've done some other things though. You, you talked about brain porn. fog, brain fog, porn, yeah, porn fog. The whole yeah, I thing. forgot about that. When when you're dealing with your creative process, because you, you've done quite a lot of documentaries and films and things like that. I want to know what you do to get into the, the creative zone. Like, what does the creative zone look like, and how do you get yourself there? I mean, the biggest thing for me is, is exercise. Like, that is, that is the greatest thing to, like, get my mind focused and get my brain ready is, is exercise. Like, to get up in the morning and go for a run. Um, if I'm on the road, like, I go to the gym constantly. Um, I was just in Saudi Arabia last week, and I was going to the gym twice a day. The, the spectacular jet lag I had was helping. Um, so I was, like, I was, like, wide awake in bed, and I was, like, I may as well go to the gym again. And, and so it's – but for me, it's, like, that helps me help, – it help, really helps me focus. And the more exercise I get, the sharper I am, I think the better I am – the nicer I am, I think that it just it helps you. You it, should work out more. I should work out more. It 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 grounds you. It grounds me in so many ways. Um, I think emotionally, physically, creatively, that uh, that it just helps. I find that like I love I love coffee. I love coffee so much. I love bulletproof coffee can, can more we than pause anything. For applause. Um, but I, I'll, I'll pay you later. But the, but the greatest thing, like if I wake up in the morning and exercise first, I will drink less coffee for the day. Like boo, boo. Um, but it's true. Like I will, because like, but uh, like on days when I wake up, like I woke up today, I have a ten-month-old who I'm a slave to his sleep habits. So when he says wake up, I get up, I go downstairs, I feed him, I hang out with him, and if I'm up with him first before my wife and I'm like feeding him, then I may not go for a run or may not exercise, so then I just make coffee. And I'm like, it's kind of like exercise. I feel so much better. And then I end up drinking infinitely more coffee through the day. Whereas if I exercise, I feel I'm, I've already like had kind of that first mental caffeine fix, and, I am, and I'm up, and I'm focused, and I'm ready, um, and then I will, my coffee projection goes much lower for the day. But you should still drink lots of Bulletproof coffee because it's amazing. You should still have a lot. Decaf. Decaf Bulletproof is amazing. I had two cups downstairs before I started tonight. Wow. Look at that. He's been programmed by his time on CNN. <laughs> one was regular. One in one decaf. Yeah. It, it's, it's actually true. If you exercise more, you will be less reliant on things like coffee. And I 
don't recommend people drink crap loads of coffee because well, you probably won't feel good if you have too much. And too much for one person is not enough for another, et cetera, et cetera. But, What's the perfect amount of coffee in a day? What's the perfect amount of bulletproof coffee? I, there's absolutely no answer for that. And the reason is that over here we have you know, the 90-pound the person. Over here we have the 250-pound person. And one has a caffeine intolerance genetically. Uh, someone, uh, it's, it's entirely variable. But you can titrate for, based on how you feel. Yeah. And so I, I generally say one or two cups of caffeinated coffee. And in Headstrong, I talk about doing another three cups of decaf without the butter and oil just because I don't need that. I had lunch. Yeah. But... Uh, I pour the oil in the lunch, and I, I do that because I'm just trying to increase the polyphenols, which are one of my toxin mitigation strategies. You just want more colored compounds from food, and coffee's a nice way to get that. Yeah. So are things like blueberries and chocolate and whatever. You put all that stuff in the blender. It's just not as good. And there's also a magical ritual that I think comes from just coffee in general that decaf gives me just in terms of mental satisfaction. So I think I can get a, as much mental satisfaction from a cup of decaf as I can from a regular cup of coffee. You mentioned having a 10-month-old, so your house is like super non-toxic, right? I've got... The, we, well, that's the thing. Is after the show, I replaced, like, I replaced my couch. I threw out my old couch after the toxins episode because I was yeah. like, I have to. We right. got rid of the rug, so now, and then I, I got a new rug. So like, I got rid of a lot of very toxic things in my house, um, chemical-wise. But then it's just filled. Then people give you toys. So then it's like, I, now I get my house filled with toys that you just look at and you're like, this, this isn't good. Like it's, it's like if your kid's chewing on it and I just like imagine him going into like some sort of like ecstasy dream as he's chewing on like a tire from like whatever his made in China toy is. It's like high out of his mind. And I'm like, that kid is so happy. Suck it on his ecstasy toy. Yeah. So, but it's like, so people give you all these things. You're like, I, listen, I love it. I love you guys for giving it to us. And you, you can't be mean and be like, my kid can't have that. So you just want to like, let him have it. You police it. I try to clean it things as best I can, but it's like, it's hard. It's like, it's, it's hard. There's so much out there. It is hard, and I would say if you have friends with kids, uh, buy them the smaller non-toxic toy versus the bigger crappy toy. That's right. As a parent, uh, I would just say thanks for all the other parents because we don't have room for all that crap anyway. No matter how big our houses are, it becomes no. carpet, and then you step on it at night, and it's just it's not nice. Legos, the sheer volume of Legos that have jammed in the bottom of my foot yeah. in the middle of the night. Now, something else you mentioned that you've worked out a little bit less and had a little bit more coffee. Yeah. I, I, during, <laughs> during the Bulletproof Diet, I talk about how I slept five hours or less per night. On average, it was closer to four for 18 months. What I didn't necessarily disclose there is that I started that experiment on purpose the day after my second child was born. Because I knew after the first job... He's I just trying to make me feel bad now, okay. isn't he? No, nah, yeah. I, I was just like, look, I'm not going to sleep eight hours a night anyway. Have a new baby. <laughs> Screw that noise. So I'm going to be sleep deprived. I'm just going to make an experiment out of it. And I just owned it. And I did just at maximum five hours every night. And sometimes it was two. And I found out that actually I probably wasn't good for me. But I did, <laughs> I did lose weight. And I did actually start Bulletproof while I was working full time. And like, I put those extra hours into productive things. Awesome. And uh, just that, that a lot of people, when they have kids, go from, I woke up every morning at 6 a.m., you know, I, I rang a gong, I drank my green tea, and I squeezed a lemon, and, you know, I breathed for five minutes in each nostril. All the stuff I've talked about doing that's, like, good for you and all. Like, I, no, like, you try to do that, and, like, someone kicks you in the head, right? 
And so just to acknowledge that, that if you're meditating or not meditating or exercising the way you know you wanted to, but that yeah. life gets in the way, one of my motivating factors for Bulletproof is like, look, I got a seven-year-old, I got a nine-year-old. And if I can get more exercise in less time or more anything in less time, that's time to play with the kids. It comes back. That's right. Which is why those trade-offs become much more critical as you get either busier in your career or uh, just busier as a parent because like, you don't get the time back, right? No. So what are you doing that's like way more efficient? What am I doing that's way more efficient? Um, Um, Going to McDonald's, uh, running phone calls while I change diapers. I mean, I don't. It's like, um, I think for you know, for me, efficiency just comes down into like my time management. It's just trying to maximize the time, that, as you said, that I can spend with my kids. Um, have that time be the most valuable quality time as uh, as I can. Um, I'm going to leave here as soon as this is done and go home and tuck in my ten year old so I can see him before he goes to sleep and uh, and I take him to school tomorrow morning. But, um, you know, for me, it's like just finding every bit of that time that I can so that I'm just not wasting time. And I think wasting time is a big one that for years, as you know, you're sitting on the couch waiting for that moment to happen that's going to, like, make things better, like post supersize Me, it's been full stop, you know, for the past 13 years as, you know, we, we started our new company and now, you know, we make movies, we make TV shows, we, TV shows, we make digital entertainment. Um, it's like full on. And so for me, it is like basically finding the most time I can to be the best friend I can, to be the best husband I can, to be the best dad I can, to be the best boss I can, to be the most supportive friend I can, and at the same time, do what I love every single minute of every single day. And it's, and it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it, it takes planning, right? Yeah. All right. I get to ask you the question that I've asked every single guest out of 400 except for one because that day I didn't have enough coffee. <laughs> if someone came to you tomorrow yeah. and they said, look, I want to perform better at everything I do, what are the three most important pieces of advice you have for me? What would you offer them? Um, the three most important things you could do. I, I think, number one, um, the most important thing you can do is be honest with yourself. I think the second most important thing you can do is be honest with everybody else. And then uh, eat lots of vegetables. That's a good one. Eat, eat veg- you can never lose with that one. You can never lose with eat lots of vegetables. Okra? Even okra. Oh. I like, I'm a hillbilly. I like okra. Yeah. Okra's a nightshade. Just wrong. Yeah. Right. Cool. <laughs> Morgan, thanks for being on Bulletproof Radio. Guys, give it up. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. 
This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.